Yeah. That felt good. Yeah, it's that kind of a day. That 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 is me. That's yeah, my internal monologue at any given point today. Yeah, mine too. It's a long like day. I'm, yeah, I'm glad I work from home because in the office, any like office telepaths would have just been like, "Whoa, are you good?" <laughs> we need to. Talk. I actually worked in the office today, and oh. my local office telepath. There's only one, uh, oh. but he he came by. He was like, "You seem." not in it today i i heard a little something something through the grapevine through the grapevine the telepathic grapevine <laughs> you know we all talk to each other through our minds that's our <laughs> telepaths is that a stupid joke that felt like it's pretty stupid, stupid but i liked it i chuckled <laughs> because that's what you do when someone you love makes a joke you chuckle are you still mad about that time i didn't laugh at your pre-written joke yes because it was, it was good. Really it was a nice joke. joke. I'm okay. sure. I'm sure if I wasn't, you know, focused on the podcast, I would have smiled, given it a little extra heavy breathing through my nose. I just want to ask of our listeners: mm-hmm. Does anyone remember that time? No, I don't even remember what episode it was at this point. But it was I probably mean, Noghead, the one that everybody fucking yeah. Missed. Why don't you guys like Noghead? Why don't I you guys like Noghead? What's wrong with Noghead? I think it's a great episode. I think it's one of our best episodes. We're just going to start re-releasing it until you all love it as much as we do. It's like, to date, our least listened to episode. Like, by a significant margin. By, like, several listens, at least. In any case, in any case. Anyway. One time on this here podcast, Don't Watch List, where we... Give you the very best of the worst TV. Thank you. I knew I was going to say it wrong. Um, Sorry, I had to like parse through it for my second in my head. I was like, don't fuck this up. Don't fuck this up. This is your <laughs> this thing. This is my moment. I'm not going to mess it up like I did that one time. <laughs> um, in any case, on this here podcast, don't watch list, I made a joke. Mm-hmm. I said, yeah, well, I'm a bitter, you know, one who bits. Did you guys laugh at that? Send us an email. Email us at don'twatchlist at gmail.com and tell me whether or not you laughed at that. Maybe. Maybe they smiled a little bit. Maybe they gave a little grin. I think they gave a hearty chuckle. I don't think that's hearty chuckle. I'm sorry. I love you. I think your jokes, I think you're hilarious. But I don't think that's hearty chuckle worthy. I'm sorry. I think you're an idiot. Wow. I'm not sure I want to work with you anymore. Wow. You have high standards. Yes, I do. Which you should. Mm-hmm. everyone should have high standards and I meet every all standard ever in the universe so <clears throat> mm-hmm. do you yeah name a standard six foot tall fuck <laughs> <laughs> anyways what's going on in your life Elise um not a lot is going on that's new to be honest but I am discovering how difficult well not just discovering I've known for a while Mm, you've been but I've been new but I'm like consciously realizing how weird it is to just shop for one person to like grocery shop for one person mm. yeah um, and especially because the grocery stores right across the street I tend to like underbuy groceries rather than overbuy and risk having like too much food left over because you know your girl hates food waste right and so I do this thing where every time I go to the grocery store I'm like what 
fruit do I want to eat for the next like two days, three days, whatever, till I next mm-hmm. go to the grocery store. Yeah. Because uh, again, I like buy for like a couple days and then I go back. And, yeah, like, you're I- buying for like immediate use almost. Exactly, exactly. And so I tend to buy like an orange at a time or like two bananas at a time. Mm. And so I had someone over and they were like, why, why, why do you just have one orange in, in your little bowl, in your little fruit bowl? And I was like, cause one I'm, person. One, I'm one person. I only need one orange. And they were like, why aren't you going to want more oranges maybe like later? Yeah, you'll get them. Yeah. I'll get them when I want them. Right now I want one orange and I know myself, if I got two oranges, one of the those oranges would be uneaten. I have a question. Yeah. How does this person know that you didn't have like four or five oranges at one point and you were just down to one? Knowing me as a person, I, I don't, I don't have food in my apartment. That's mm. not for immediate use. There was always only one orange. So I think it was less like less an assumption and more just a gut instinct that there was only ever one. Mm. I get that. Knowing yeah. who you are as a person. Knowing who I am as a person. Yeah. I do eat. I do have three meals a day for the record. I just. It's just that you buy them one day at a time. One day at a time or like two days at a time. A good, a good grocery haul is when it lasts like four days. That's impressive yeah. for me. Yeah. My roommates and I have gotten into the habit of when one of us goes grocery shopping, we ask each other to like rate the grocery shop when they get back. Oh, we're like, oh, how was your shop? And we'll be like, like oh, it was pretty good. good. I got, I got like everything I got. I'm excited about. Yes. We're like, oh, I'm not feeling great about it. You know, I, mm-hmm. I think I, I think I got too much fruit, not enough veggie, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really like the most mundane thing in the world, but I so look forward to it. Like Alon gets back from the grocery store and I'm like, how was your shop? How was the shop? Yeah, it's good haul, good haul. One too many oranges, maybe. You only got the one. One too many oranges. I know myself, (laughs) one too many oranges. (laughs) My issue grocery shopping for one is greens. Yes. They don't sell greens in an amount that is good for one person. And like spinach, it's easy. When it starts to get a little wilty, I just put it in the freezer and then I use it for smoothies. Oh yeah. The fuck am I supposed to do with almost wilty iceberg lettuce? Exactly. Cause that's my thing is that spinach, you can use it for like so many things. Like you Mm -hmm. can use it in stir fry. You can use it just like in your salad. You can use it like on so many different things. And it, and it shrinks when you cook it. So if you're putting it in like a stir fry, you can use so much a lot of it. Of and it. it's not an overwhelming amount of spinach in whatever meal you're making. Exactly. Arugula is pretty similar, but I prefer spinach to arugula, honestly. I don't like arugula. It's too bitter. It's okay, but it's, it's in small amounts. Like I couldn't have hmm. a salad of only arugula, you know yeah. what I mean? But I could I have a they salad. They call it rocket in Australia. What? They call it rocket in Australia. Arugula or salad made only arugula? arugula. How do you know this? I don't know. <laughs> I think I just happened upon it somewhere. That's how I feel about um, the inventor of Kodak is uh fuck. I, I used to know it. I used to know the inventor of Kodak. Do you want me to here? I'll look I'm it up. Jeffrey talking. Kodak? No, it's some, some fucking, I remember there being a fun fact about this. It, it was George Eastman. Yes, George Eastman Kodak. 
No, it's just no, it's just George Eastman. George Eastman Kodak. No, no, it looks like it's just George Eastman. Yep, George Eastman Kodak. First name, middle name, last name. <laughs> no, but it it kind of looks like his name is just George Eastman. <laughs> yeah, George Eastman Kodak. <laughs> but no, it was on a trivia game one time. And like the trivia was <laughs> you good? Just really got me. I feel like it's one of those things. I could have done that bit for 30 minutes. I could have just gone back and forth with you saying George Eastman Kodak and me saying, no, it's just George Eastman. For like, yeah, so long. George Eastman. I was getting Kodak. so much joy out of it. Oh my god, I love it. I'm sorry, I'm composed. Good, good. <clears throat> so I was at this trivia night one time and they were like, Claire, get it together. We're professionals. Oh my god. And the the one of the questions was like, who's the inventor of Kodak? And my answer was like immediately, I was like, oh, George Eastman. And <laughs> they were like, no, it's George Eastman Kodak. <laughs> And everybody else at the table was like, how did you know that? And I was like, I honestly don't know. Like, the, there's just some things that are just in your brain. Right. And you don't know why they're there. They're just like hanging out. They're like. And you know that there's probably a cool way you came about it. Yeah. But it's gone. Like, I think for for the George Eastman, it was because it was like a throwaway line in mm. Santa Clarita diet. And so after oh. a lot of thinking, I like thought back, I was just like when did I interact with Kodak why do I know why is George Eastman Kodak like it's just it's just George Eastman but the reason why I was convinced it's George Eastman Kodak is because in the show his code name was George Eastman Kodak (laughs) like it was legitimately I don't remember the context of this I feel like I need to go rewatch that episode it was like the main guy and he was trying to go undercover or something because his wife was a lovely zombie and he was totally in love with her. So he was trying to protect her, you see. Mm. So he had to give somebody like a fake name so they couldn't like track down his wife through him or some, something right. like that. And so they were like, oh, what's your name? Like, we have to take it down for like a guest log or something. Yeah. Like, oh, George Eastman Kodak. <laughs> George Eastman would have been would have been too obvious. Obviously, that's a code name. Like, that's the inventor of Kodak. Come on. It's like Penn Badgley over that's here. Penn Badgley. Oh, it's too much. Should we like get started? Yeah, let's let's get started. What do you got to you what do you got? So this is this is special. This is new. Special. This is different. Special, special, special. Oh, oh, oh. So what we're doing is we're going to, if you missed our announcement last episode, is changing um, who's presenting an episode uh, of their choosing or a TV show of their choosing every single episode. So Claire's going to start us off and they're going to um, go over their chosen trashy TV show for this week. And you will not be hearing about, I will be around, I'll be commenting, I'll be making little quips, but I will not be owning the TV show this week. Instead, I will be owning the one next week. And then we're just going to, you know, go back and forth like that from now on. So theoretically, 
It should make it like half halfway shorter, maybe. Well, less than halfway because we we got a lot of preamble. We have and post amble. A lot of post amble. We have a lot of ambles. A lot of ambling on this podcast. So maybe going from like it's usually around an hour thirty. We're we're shooting for maybe an hour. Which I want to be clear was our original goal all along. Yeah, we tried. It just never worked out that way. (laughs) So Claire, first uh, new formatted episode. Yeah, it's intense. I'm feeling feeling the pressure from all of our investors. Honestly, all of our many sponsors and investors. Yeah, who email us at gmail.com and don't watch us at gmail.com. Don't watch this at gmail.com. Um, because there's like there's a lot of competition for us to be sponsored. So yeah, you'll should, notice we have like a lot of commercials in this episode. Like so many ads. Yeah. So many ads. I th- honestly, I feel like we're gonna start getting calls about how many ads we have in our podcast. Oh yeah. Like that's gonna be our next biggest complaint after we make the episodes shorter. Like, why do you have so many ads? Well, because we're just gonna put in more ads so that it's still an hour and a half. So it's still an hour and a half <laughs> because you know, we can't help ourselves. And we're just getting so many ad requests. We so every people people calling us day and night can you please <laughs> please play our ads so anyways claire darling dearest yes my love <laughs> i have for you today <clears throat> the pop culture sensation inventing anna yeah yeah i spoiler alert well I, this isn't a spoiler um, I've actually started watching this on a couple oh, episodes cool. in, so I will have lots of commentary, I'm sure. I love commentary. Me too. So, okay. For those of you who don't know, Inventing Anna is the dramatized Netflix show about the story of Anna Sorokin, aka Anna Delvey. So Anna Sorokin is this Russian-born German immigrant who came to New York City in about 2013. And she had dreams of making it big in the like fashion influencing world. She originally came here with a job at Purple Magazine. I'm not familiar with Purple Magazine. Um, is it real or was it fabricated for the show? I get the sense that it was a real magazine and that they used the real title in the show because it was like in an actual article that I read when I was prepping. Uh, but I suppose it could be like a code name or something <clears throat> like just the article also used. Um, she got bored of the nine to five grind very quickly. And so what she started to do instead is pretending to be a German heiress with a $60 million trust fund, as one does. As one does. She very quickly fell in with this rich and famous crowd. She was befriending like famous designers, um, celebrity trainers, all types of socialites, um like really high up tech guy who became her boyfriend I'll talk about him um and she is able to convince everybody that she's extremely wealthy that she's extremely well connected and she does this by like very strategically paying for things um or like getting in with people who will buy her things that make her look very wealthy like will buy her clothes and bags and shoes um she stays with very rich people for a while or she'll like stay in hotels and not pay because she's can she's she's created this persona around herself that she's so wealthy that like no one's really concerned about her putting down a credit card you know Mm -hmm. um 
and these these expensive like gifts that she gets people to give her like clothes and shoes they also go well beyond like stuff like that like she also gets a free trip to Ibiza and a trip to Morocco that is very ill-fated um so then eventually when she's sort of like a part of this crowd <clears throat> sorry I'm like very phlegmy right now mm. She decides that she wants to open her own exclusive social club. So I don't know if people know what Soho Club is. I didn't before I watched the show, but I guess it's this like members only club in like New York City that's like only for the rich and famous. There's like interviews to get in, but you get access to like buildings that other people don't have access to. And there's a lot of like networking that happens there. And it's very exclusive and like hoity toity. Mm -hmm. so she wants to create that, but even more exclusive. <laughs> and she decides she's going to call it the Anna Delvey Foundation. Um, because again, she's going by Anna Delvey. Um, so this is when she moves on from like defrauding her friends and like taking their credit cards and like borrowing money and hotel hopping and things like that to like defrauding financial institutions. Which is um, a, a crime, a very yeah, serious crime. A crime, a federal offense, one might call it. So she starts forging documents. Um, she pretends to be the German banker who is like handling her trust fund. She lies that about her. her? sorry <laughs> no I kind of it, it's kind of implied like yeah. you could very clearly tell that like there was never any trust there was never a trust fund um trust she fund. lies about people she knows and how close she is to them and how well she knows them like the whole nine yards she really goes all out <clears throat> eventually and so all of this is done in an effort to secure a 40 million dollar loan that's going to help her open Anna Delvey Foundation and she legitimately believes that Anna Delvey Foundation is like a good business plan that is going to make her as wealthy as she has always pretended to be and so it's sort of like once she gets this 40 million dollars she feels like she's going to be secure and she can stop faking it but eventually she she realizes that she's never going to get that 40 million dollar loan and all of the money that she owes really fucking hard and also like you're faking all of your documents like someone's gonna find out Mm -hmm. So when she realizes that, she like recognizes all of the money that she owes to all of her friends and all of these hotels and all of these banks is going to catch up to her. So she runs away to LA and then she's eventually caught and she's jailed. <clears throat> so the show takes place after all of that has occurred um, during Anna's trial. And so the show follows this journalist who's modeled after a real person. Um, who's uncovering Anna's story to do like an exclusive magazine article about her. So she's interviewing Anna, she's interviewing her friends, her ex-boyfriend, the investors that she scammed, the police, the defense attorney, the prosecutor, like everyone who is at all connected to Anna Delvey, Anna Sorokin, um, is being interviewed by this author. And fun little twist on things. So her name was like dragged through the mud a few years ago because she wrote an article and it then came out that the facts of the article were incorrect and her source lied to her but then lied about like how that happened so her name gets dragged through the mud she like I've been dying to know the details of this (laughs) I'm specifically not saying them because I want you to find out why you're oh because I was waiting I was like they're gonna tell they're 
they're gonna tell I can see you perk up and I instantly like I have it written down right here but I'm not gonna tell you I want to know so bad because it's one of those things that's like a big secret that like they have a couple throwaway lines Mm -hmm. to like imply it and she gets really defensive at one point she's like no I'm not like this is the only thing I'm gonna say about this one article that ruined my career Mm -hmm. they don't tell you I'm halfway through the the season right now and they have not told me and I I want to know there's a whole episode about it babe don't worry thank god um so she is like trying to clear her name and like get back on the career path and the career trajectory that she was originally on Mm -hmm. through this article and she's also trying to do it before she gives birth because yes she is pregnant she is a prego ego there is a fetus inside of her and then ready to pop so essentially this show the viewer is watching this journalist Vivian Kent get sucked into all of the drama that's surrounding Anna Delvey um, as she's trying to like sort out what happened and who Anna really is so that's the gist of what we have going on Um, So I chose to do this show for this episode because due to completely foreseen circumstances, I was stuck in an airport for 11 hours recently. Mm. And so in order to occupy my time, I decided I would watch a nice show. And this is the show that I watched. And so it's the most recent like trash TV that I indulged in. It was a true binge. Um, Okay, so that is my background. Thoughts, questions, concerns, comments. I love it. I'm excited to to dive into this. Okay. Although I I will say I feel like I don't know if this happened to you but when it was recommended to me on Netflix when they like kind of set up the trailer um I do know that there's like several different trailers that get catered to you specifically based on like your watch history so I'm curious mm-hmm. if you got the same kind of vibe from it before you started watching it. I didn't watch the trailer. Word. <laughs> Um, but it seemed like more of a con artist, like white collary type thing than it actually was. Does that make sense? You don't think it's white collary? I, I, there's not as much like clever scamming as I wanted it there to be. It was more, yeah, just she's like, not clever at all. That's what no. I find really fascinating about her is like, she's not good at scamming people. And yeah. yet it continues to work again and again and again. That's my thing is that they make such a big deal of like how clever she is, how, you know, she has a eidetic memory and all that, which is all true. And she's like brilliant in her own right. Like I'm sure she is like excellent financial skills, whatever. Like they don't super show that so far in the show. Um, but like she actually, she at least knows enough business to like mm-hmm. know who to ask, know what she needs for a business plan and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But like you said, she's not being clever about it. Like she's not like a criminal mastermind by any means. Right. Like rich well, people the show, are just dumb. The show talks about it too, where they're like, she's not like the most beautiful woman in the world. Like she's pretty, but she's not like like stunning, ethereally beautiful. She's just yeah. like a normal looking, like normal, good looking person. Yeah. She's not like super well connected, at least to start with. Like she doesn't have any of the like, telltale con artist scammer traits yeah she's not even really good at convincing people to trust her for no reason exactly and i think they also they talk about this a little bit 
where and I, I I never got like satisfying closure on this like point that they kept making but they kept talking about how she knew how to fit in with rich crowds like she knew which wine she was supposed to order she knew which fancy ass restaurants she had to go to on which nights and what you had to order at each one she knew what designer to wear to what occasion right I don't understand how she knew all of that they never go into detail on that. I have a theory. Okay, I would I love a, to hear it. Yeah, because I think, because I was going to say she's not particularly charismatic, mm. but like she gets a lot of people, like you were saying, she gets a lot of people to trust her and a lot of specifically rich people to trust her or give her money. And I don't think now that you mentioned all of that, I don't think it's trust. I think it's rich people at their core not that I know that much about like the uber right. wealthy elite but I've watched enough gossip girl that I can theorize yeah yeah, yeah. they all want to fit in with other rich people and especially new money they want to socially climb to people who are also like perceived as wealthier perceived as more well-connected blah 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 so because she's so good at observation and there there was the reason why I have this theory is because there was like one like two second scene when she was at the bank for the first time intending to go get the loan and she was at the elevators and she was listening to all these people around her talk business and taking out just like key random like filler words that they were getting into Mm. like kpis and blah 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 and like synergy and we really have to analyze the market trends and so she was grabbing all of these buzzwords that like like you may or may not understand, but you don't really need to because they're just buzzwords. As long as you mm-hmm. throw them in, people will be like, oh, of course they know what they're talking about. Mm. So she was good enough at putting up a charade at being, you know, charade, charade? I, don't I think know. it's charade, but I loved it. <laughs> it's I, fe- I felt like you channeled your inner rich person right yeah, there. Yeah, charade, charade, of course. Um, That she could, and like she was able to, observe you know like this person seems really rich and people seem really drawn to this person and this is the wine they're ordering this is where they go so Mm. she's able to kind of information gather all of that and that's how she was able to keep up this facade is the word out facade that's what it is yeah yeah Yeah. no I mean that makes sense I just wish they would have touched on it more yeah you know because especially like one of her her like oldest friends in New York is the one who's like saying all of this. Like Anna knew how to be a rich person and like not a particularly like ostentatious new money rich person. Like she knew how to be like an old money rich person. Yeah, confident. And I just own. wanted to them to dive in more on that. And I think I think I totally now that I'm thinking more on it, I get what you mean. Like I think if they had done that, it would have been more white collary. Yeah, exactly. But they yeah. didn't. And I think I was a little, a little disappointed. Not yeah. super, because it's still super, like a really good show, I think. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Yeah. All right. <clears throat> going. Dive in. Let's get in there. <laughs> so for the good, number one, immediately off the bat, I am obsessed with Anna's accent. Yes. It's so unnecessarily <laughs> over the top. And I don't think it actually sounds German, but I'm obsessed with it. Because it's supposed to sound German, but a little wrong because it's supposed to be like she's from Russia, right? right. Originally. Right. And so it's supposed to be like fucked up German. <laughs> Which it I think is fucked up. Nails. It doesn't sound 
German at all. <laughs> it's just like doing its own thing. <laughs> I really, I want to like try it, but I know I'm not going to do a good job. So I'm just not going to do it. <laughs> um, okay. I also really like that. It's like a dramatized like show like version retelling I can't think of the word um documentaries are great don't get me wrong and I think I would have enjoyed this as a documentary but I think it being a dramatization just made it more like spicy fun for me yeah Um, it was it's based on a true story that happened in you said 2013 yeah that was like a popular news story at the time or something like that yeah yeah and like everything that happens in the show for the most part happens like there was like an article that came out around her trial like written by this journalist who like was trying to redeem herself like the facts of it are obviously like skewed because they're trying to make a good show but like the fundamentals are are true um it's just dramatized um, I think dramatizations are definitely not for everyone. So I was wondering if you had thoughts on like, if it would have been better as a documentary or if you like it the way it was. Oh, that's such a good question. And it's funny you say that because I've actually been really getting really into those docu-series that are mm. running around Netflix right now. Like I just watched Bad Vegan. I don't know that one. Um, I'll, I'll do it before we go on it one of these days. Okay. One of these okay. days. Um, but... I think you need the media attention around the story to be like way more blown up and way more sensationalized. And mm-hmm. I feel like for something like this, which seems like it wasn't like a major, major news story, right? There was like the magazine article. Yeah, it wasn't like a major thing. This is definitely the most famous thing connected to it. Although her friend wrote a book and I think that got a bunch of attention too. But I think this is the most famous thing connected to, to this whole situation and I think that's why a dramatization works so much better because if like for example in bad vegan like this was a huge huge news story it was like a very it was related to the owner of a very very popular restaurant chain um in New York and so this was like and like she was on the run like kidnapped and all of this so it was like a major major news story and Mm -hmm. so I think that's why it worked well as a docu-series is because people are already interested Mm. whereas for something that didn't get a lot of media attention it's more like you need a hook you need something to like get people interested because they weren't in the first place it wasn't you know there was not a lot of attention behind. right it's not like people were like looking for more content on this Mm -hmm. Like they it's like, like with like fire festival, like everyone wanted more information about fire festival. So yes. like having a bunch of documentaries or docuseries made sense. But like with this one, people are just like looking for a good show. Yeah. A good story. Like a specific documentary. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of fire festival, there is like a little, a little cameo for oh. fire festival at the end. Oh my God. I saw that. <laughs> it's so funny. Cause it's what it it's just like a passing line. Yeah, it's like and a complete like, throwaway. I don't know if it's accurate at all, but no. I'm obsessed with it. And like, and then you like hear the line and you're like, wait, wait a second. Is this <laughs> referencing what I think it's referencing? <laughs> Funny as fuck. Um, okay. Other things that I liked. Um, I think the show is cast super, super well. Julia Garner, who plays Anna, um, some of you might know her from Ozarks. Um, I think she's a really phenomenal actress. I think she dove into the role super well. Um, I already said, I think the accent is great, but I also think she has really good mannerisms, really good delivery, and just like her general vibe 
I felt like she played Anna so well of this like slightly fish out of water, but I'm going to fake it until I make it person. I just think she did Mm -hmm. such a good job portraying that. I agree. Like, because it's such a nuanced character where like, Mm -hmm. she is very, obviously very good at what she does. She's very good at like trying to blend in with the crowd, Mm -hmm. but you can still kind of see through the cracks at some point of like this early 20s like young woman in a big city not really knowing anybody not having any close friends like in jail she's scared she's scared as hell exactly and I think she did a really good job of balance the actress did a really great job of balancing like oh I'm gonna like think I'm better than you because like this is what I'm used to portraying blah 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 but also I'm terrified like please help me and I think she did a really great job because Anna in prison versus Anna in the flashbacks when she's still mm-hmm. scamming and conning are basically two different characters. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I feel like it's such a range to be able to portray both so well. I just thought it was a phenomenal performance. Absolutely. I completely um, Laverne Cox is also in this show. Mm-hmm. She plays the celebrity trainer. Um, and I thought she was wonderful. Um, I just really like her. Um, I, love, and then, I love a good celebrity cameo. When yeah. I like know somebody, I like somebody and they're just like, they're not stealing the show, but they're like peppered in. Yeah, you're like, you're doing your thing, but also you're famous. Hell yeah. <laughs> and then um, Alexis Floyd, um, who plays Neff, one of my favorite characters. I'll talk oh, more I about her. her. Um, she was also in The Bold Type, which I've talked about on the podcast Ooh. before. Um, but I feel like she does a really great job as well. She's funny, convincing, dramatic, wonderful. Um, I really, I think she's, probably like a breakout star from the show in my opinion um I agree yeah yeah um I also just like really kind of enjoy watching financial institutions get fucked over um (laughs) the only times that I really disliked Anna were when she was screwing over her friends like I was kind of neutral when she was like scamming these banks and luxury hotels like that's just the socialist in me but like let the wall street bros hurt a little bit like let them lose for once you know yeah (laughs) You love to see it. We love to see it. And then the last thing I'll say is that it has a fantastic soundtrack. It's very like modern pop culture centric. So I don't think it's going to hold up to the test of time very well. I think it will be very dated at some point. Um, but for right now, absolutely love it. There's a lot of Meg The Stallion. Big fan over here. Interesting you say that because I hadn't really noticed the soundtrack at all. Oh, it's a great soundtrack. Yeah. It's not like I don't think it's a good soundtrack, but I just hadn't paid much attention to it. I'll have to to focus on it. Yeah, See if pick it's up on it. Spotify worthy. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that it would be just because mm. it's like, it's just a lot of like songs that are popular now and were popular in 2013. Mm. Like you probably have a playlist like that already. So it's um, kind of like old school-ish. Not really. It's much more like, like I said, like modern pop culture gotcha yeah I don't know why what you said just reminded me of this but I saw a joke on like I think it was reposted on Instagram from like Twitter from Tumblr or something like like it went through the pipeline um I don't know why that's relevant (laughs) (laughs) it was someone like texting their friends saying oh like I'm really enjoying listening to the dance dance revolution soundtrack and their friend was like that that's just songs you're just listening to songs they're not like redone or they're just I gotta love that yeah they're just songs they're just songs and that's why (laughs) what you said reminded me like yeah it's just 
it's just songs honestly that's kind of how I feel about the soundtrack like it's just songs but like they're good songs yeah you know love it um okay moving on moving on why that was so dramatic moving on push away the good make room for the naughty (laughs) (laughs) I said that cut that shit out no we're leaving that oh no (laughs) um okay the bad so I'm kind of scraping the bottom of the barrel here because I just generally really enjoyed it um it doesn't have to be that many bad things about a show if any I agree but there are a few there are a few Mm -hmm. um some pieces aren't super accurate to the real story like when I was doing some research um mostly just like timeline stuff but I feel like that's kind of expected considering it's like a dramatization and I would have cared a lot more about that if it was a documentary but because of like the format that it is it didn't really bother me that much but it might bother some people and we are arbiters of the truth here at Don't Watch List. We we love lying though. (laughs) We love lying. We love lying. (laughs) Um, I didn't love some of the editing. I thought they made some kind of weird choices. So they kept doing this thing where they would like put Instagram feeds on the screen and then like scroll through them on the screen. I just didn't like it. I just thought it was weird. It gives me the same vibe as when they put like iMessage conversations on the screen. Mm. I've never loved that. It's like fine. just show me them scrolling on their phone. Just like exactly on the phone. That's how I've always felt. It's just like, yeah, show the phone. Like you don't have to do this weird overlay thing. I don't, yeah. I don't get it. I don't vibe with it. I just didn't love it. But maybe it wouldn't bother other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the last thing I'll say, I didn't like the penultimate episode. Um, this episode this episode this focused on so contentious. So I knew you were gonna, I literally knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were gonna say that. Penultimate. Penultimate. All right. What's the penultimate? What, what do you have against the penultimate episode, Claire? You, you're at like a 10. I need you to take it to a two. Claire, what do you have against the penultimate episode? I don't know why my voice went like seven octaves up when I was taking it to a two. What I have against the penultimate episode. Mm-hmm is that so it focuses on Vivian traveling to Germany to like uncover more about Anna's childhood mm-hmm. I don't know how accurate it is to real life I don't really care how accurate it is to real life I just thought it made Vivian a really unlikable character I hated Vivian as a character I just did not I thought she was a terrible character be- to begin with mm-hmm. this made her like downright horrid oh like she just it was just bad journalism like she went to Germany she's like stalking people she's like trespassing on their property she's like interviewing people and like jumping to like wild conclusions based on what they're saying she's mean she's obsessive about it and ultimately it doesn't add anything to the story in my opinion Mm-mm. like I just think it makes her complete like it just you're just ruins her character an aggressive journalist that like it's understandable why nobody wants to talk to you right and it feels so out of character too like she's Again, like, I didn't love her as a character. I thought she made really weird facial expressions throughout the whole show. I I don't, yeah, I didn't like, I didn't, I didn't like the actress. I didn't like, yeah, I don't, but like, I'm so glad you disliked her too. Cause I was like, I don't know exactly what it is about this character. I'm just not vibing. Yeah. So for me, it was that I thought her character was fine. I didn't like the actress. 
Mm. I thought she was a terrible actress in yeah. that role. Like I thought her so mannerisms, her facial expressions, face. like the way she portrayed the character, I thought were awful. Yeah. But like, I didn't have any issues with the character. Like I understood she was like under a lot of pressure. She like needed to get this story, but she made some like kind of shitty choices. But like my main issues were with the actress. In this episode, my main issues were with the character. Like she was mm-hmm. just a dislikable character. Ugh. I hated it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Now we move on to the trashy. Why is it trashy? Claire? Give it to me. I don't know what that <laughs> accent. I was trying to do the weird German thing, the non-German, non-Russian thing. You weren't even close. Give it to me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, unbelievability of plot. Um, so I actually, you're going to disagree with me here, but I said blatantly, I think it's written down. I'm going to read it word for word. It says, I think I liked the show so much because it reads like white collar fanfic. But it doesn't though. It kind of does though. But it doesn't though. She's not smart. Have you gotten to the Morocco episode? Hmm? Have you gotten to the Morocco episode? No. No, Okay. Once you get to the Morocco episode, we'll talk. All right. Okay. We'll talk. All right, you got me there. <laughs> um, but ultimately, like, it's just, like, it's so out there. It's this young girl in her 20s who's able to convince so many people that she has this $60 million trust fund and a rich daddy who's going to, like, send her money whenever she needs it mm-hmm. while, like, everyone else is paying for all of her shit all of the time. Like, it's just she never produces any evidence that she's this rich, wealthy person and yet everyone believes that she is. That's fucking unbelievable. Like, how do you just drop in? Does it, exp- I can't remember if in the first episodes it explains how she first gets her like foothold in the uber wealthy world. It's with that designer guy. It's with Val? Is that his name? Yeah. yeah. The younger guy with the black curly hair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. with him. So she meets him while she's working at Purple oh right and then they become like best friends and then he introduces her to like the old woman that they live with yes he introduces her to like a bunch of people in his circle I think he introduces her to her ex-boyfriend yeah because when yeah when she was an intern that's when Val had his whole thing about like she knew what wine to order and that's so she convinced him first and then he convinced everybody else yeah yeah Mm. poor Val Oh, Val, poor baby. And then poor Val got, like, screwed over in the end. Val was my favorite character, honestly. I love Val. He's such a messy bitch. He's so messy. We love him. We love him so much. (laughs) Um, Okay, relationship that you root for. It is definitely not her tech boyfriend. Um, So there's this guy who she dates pretty early on into her, like, scamming days. Like, when she's still, like, best buds with Val and she's living with this older woman that Val lives with um she starts dating this guy who like works in excuse me she starts dating this guy who works in like dream tech where he's gonna like harvest your dreams that was such a okay can i side tangent yes can i do a side rant please please yeah so so (laughs) i have so many issues with this right because he's obvious spoiler alert meep meep he's obviously (laughs) scam artist too right yeah like there was never any app he's like a worse scam artist he's a way worse scam artist and the problem is people still give him so much money so much money and when he's explaining his thing he's like 
he changes it drastically. He's like, yeah, we're going to harvest the dreams from your brain and then use that for, I guess, like data collection or something Mm -hmm. like he changes the intention. He's like, oh yeah, it's for you to like know your inner thoughts and like motivation and desire. And then Anna turns it into some like, oh, big data would love this, which like they, they absolutely would. Absolutely. Yeah. No, she's Um, 100% right about that one. Oh yeah. And then he's like, oh, but it's actually an app. And I'm like, is it a technology or is it an app? And then like, if it is an app, it's not technology. That's that. Shut up. That's not how (laughs) apps work. Apps can't take information from your brain. That's Is there, is there a little like extension that you can put on your iPhone that extracts the dreams from your brain? My guy, buddy, (laughs) like, how is this work? How do you imagine this working? And the thing is, he's not, he's a, he's a futurist, quote unquote. He's an ideas guy, quote unquote. He's a Silicon Mm. Valley like trust fund baby and he's not even like rich he's oh this guy this guy he he also like I, talks about so he's he's indian and so he like comes up with this story that he's like the child of immigrants and so naturally you assume like his parents immigrated from india turns out he was adopted and his mom immigrated from canada from canada and he lives in like fucking ohio and he's trying to get like the oh i guess like sympathy points slash like outsider points from like oh yeah I was an immigrant or like my parents were immigrants or like whatever fucking excuse he makes like no they're from Canada buddy fucking Canada dude oh my god but anyway so he sucks he's super conceited um and she's clearly just using him for his money and his connections and there are numerous scenes where they're like going out and then he just like gives her his credit card um, and she goes and like spends his money and that's like them dating. Yeah. Um, it's so just clearly, like <laughs> so messy. It's, it's not a love match. But no. Anyways. Oh, so, I would say the main relation relationship that you're led to root for is between Neff and Anna. I could see that. In my opinion. So I Neff is the only that. friend who sticks by Anna during her trial. All of her other friends think she's too messy which like same which she is like, same. Yeah. I would do the same thing I would drop um, that bitch so fast <laughs> so Neff is the only friend that Anna had who wasn't rich or influential um she worked at the only hotel that Anna ever paid to stay at um I don't want to give too much away about what happens between them because I think it's like good to see it play out on TV, but I think a lot happens that shows that they genuinely cared for one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like Anna treated Neff better than a lot of other people in her circle. And that's Which all I'm maybe, say. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Do you think that's why Neff chooses to like stand by Anna? Because she's gotten like not preferential treatment, but like mm-hmm. a bit better treatment. I think so. And I think, I mean, it seems to me throughout the majority of the show that Neff genuinely believes Anna is as rich and wealthy and influential as she says she is. And I don't, I don't know why she chooses to believe that. Like, it's clear Mm -hmm. to me that she believes it because she wants to. Yeah. Like, it's one of those things where like, you don't let yourself believe that your friend can do all of the terrible things that she's accused of being, of of doing. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if there's more to it than that. It doesn't like go into that that much? Not really. Not in any satisfying way. I think 
the simplest answer is probably what you said is like, you just don't want to believe your good friends would do bad things. Like if you ever murdered someone, I would be like, no, you didn't. If you were like, no, literally here's the body. I would be like, no, you didn't. Thank you. Maybe don't admit that that on air. Cause then if one of us doesn't, we're like. FBI, I'm kidding. (laughs) Just jokes. Just jokes. All about the laughs here. Um, a little, a little note on characters, um, lots of strong archetypes here. I think the show does a really good job of like juxtaposing different archetypes. Um, so there are plenty of people that you hate. Um, I can't remember her name, but there's the, the rich older woman that Val lives with. I forgot her name too. Zara. Yeah. I think it's Zara. Nora. Nora. I think it's Nora. I think. That sounds, something ah. Yeah. Short. There's an ah. Um, so she's this like, she was, I don't know, she like made her money decades ago and so she's really rich, but she'll like change alliances on a dime. She's really very rude to Anna. And then all of a sudden one day decides to take her under her wing, but then like still treats her like she's an assistant. Mm-hmm. Um, there's obviously the tech boyfriend we've discussed. He's garbage. <laughs> um there's the shitty editor that Vivian works for, who is clearly like out for himself, doesn't really care. He'll like throw his writers under the bus in a heartbeat. Mm-hmm. Um, alternatively, there are plenty of people who you absolutely love. Um, I particularly am fond of the little like band of older writers that like will drop everything to help Vivian write her story. I think they're so wholesome and adorable. It gives me such like, Because like for context, this um, group of writers is like banished to the back corner. I forget what Scriberia. The what? Oh, Scriberia. Scriberia. Because it's like this back corner of the office where quote unquote writers go to die. And so like their careers, either they've like had a long career and they're kind of winding down, like they're not getting any good stories. So they're just like all super close and all just like have the freedom to just mess around all the time because they're not being given work they like. So they're just like, yeah, I'll like drop everything to do this like really fun, interesting story. Yeah. It's so wholesome. I love it. And they'll just like call a bunch of hotels and see if they can figure out where someone is staying. Like they're just willing to put in the work. They are ride or die. And I love that. Um, Speaking of ride or die, Neff. One of my favorite characters, I think, in the entire show. She is so loyal. She's the only, like, entirely good person in Anna's circle, in my opinion. Like, truly just, like, wholesome morals. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Um, and then there's the defense attorney, who's just trying his fucking best. And is, like, clearly in over his head. But he, like, cares about his wife and his children and Anna and... Yeah. And he's like, I think I could do it. I feel like he's like, he wants to prove himself so badly. Yeah. And he knows he's in over his head and he knows that he's like, I, I should just tap out. This is a bad idea. This is a bad <laughs> idea. <laughs> but he does his best. He does his best. Um, and then I think there are a lot of people who don't fit neatly into any one category. Um, so there's like the friend who gets screwed over in the Morocco situation but then she writes a book about it and makes a whole lot of fucking money. I'm not going to give you any more details. So the book is in the show too. Yeah. Oh, ho, ho. Um, Anna herself 
who's like committing a bunch of crimes and hurting people but is also I think portrayed in a pretty complex way where she is like a really sympathetic I guess antagonist mm-hmm. um like you're genuinely led to like care about her um in a lot of ways and so I think all of these people are sort of like thrown together and you like it's easy to connect to a lot of them and like even if like you would obviously never be a wealthy elderly woman who changes alliances at the drop of a hat but like she enhances the show in like such an interesting way and she like juxtaposes like the humble defense attorney or the humble like writers you know so I think they balance it all really really well for sure yeah yeah I agree yeah thank you thank you Okay, last but not least, the girl boss. I feel like this isn't going to come as a surprise. I think Anna's the girl boss. Yes, Anna's the girl boss. I was going to, I was so ready to fight. If you said the journalist, I was going <laughs> to shut you Absolutely the fuck down. Absolutely not. No. Zero percent. No. No. <laughs> um so yeah I mean Anna she literally saw a lifestyle that she coveted and she said I will do everything in my power to make that my lifestyle I don't care who I step on I don't care who gets hurt in the process I don't care what I have to do who I have to lie to I'm gonna have this lifestyle um she's a complete like social chameleon she structures her personality to like mimic whoever she's around so that she is most appealing to them and they like her and they want to be her friend they want to do favors for her Mm -hmm. um And I think this is a huge point in favor of her being a girl boss is that to the end, Anna never thought of herself as a fraud. She truly thought she was just doing what she needed to do to get her business off the ground. She believed in the Anna Delvey Foundation. She thought it was going to happen. She was very confident in it. She was just taking the steps to get there. Were they a little unconventional? Sure. But she's an unconventional woman. Yeah. And then the last point in favor of her extreme girl boss energy is that most of her friends refused to be named in the suit against her. Only one of them was named in the suit against her. And I think that shows how good she was at one, just like pretending to be this wealthy German heiress and convincing people. And two, convincing people that she really cared about them and that she was a good person to the point where they didn't want to hurt her even after she had stolen and lied to them, stolen from them and lied to them. Like they still were on her side in some ways. Yeah. Which is yeah so I think she's the most girl boss of any girl bosses we've talked about on the show. I completely agree. No, I am 100% with you. And I think, like you said, a huge part of that is just being unapologetic about it. Mm-hmm. Which was yeah. like 90% of her personality. It's like, yeah, I'm going to do what I... I'm going to do and I'm unapologetic and I think a lot of people also respect that which is maybe why Mm -hmm. a lot of her friends especially a lot of her like rich friends Mm -hmm. stuck by her in the end yeah or at least like yeah wanted to didn't get in on the suit yeah yeah didn't get on the suit so that my friends is inventing Anna yay oh it's such a good show that I hesitate like when you first brought up that you were going to do inventing Anna I had seen a couple episodes at that point and I was actually skeptical because I wanted to be like, are we sure it's considered trash TV? Because I think this is genuinely really good. Like, I think. But it does have all of the Sorry. I did say it it has all of the components. So it is trashy. 
it's like a well done trashy tv but like Mm. it's not it's not cinema by any means yeah and it's it's a very like sensational topic which I think is what lends it to being trash tv Mm. um in that like it, it doesn't take a lot of brain power to watch the show, which is how I think of a lot of trashy TV. It's like, if I can be doing something on my phone while I'm watching it, it sort of leads towards that, in my opinion. That's sort of how I think of it. It's like, is, is it sensational? Is it- A lot of brain power. Not a lot of brain power. Like, those are the sorts of things. That, and then does it like fit all of our criteria? Like, those are the things that I take into consideration. I think I agree, yeah. I think I'm, I'm coming around to, mm-hmm. it is- I wouldn't say it's trashy TV, but it is trash TV. Okay. Well, I feel like I've been talking so much. Do you have anything before we go? What was that? What was that noise? Yeah, I just feel like I've been talking so much. So much. So much. Is that your Russian, uh, not Russian? (laughs) Yeah, it's my German-Russian accent. accent. (laughs) Beautiful. Thank you. Um, I do... And there's a little bit of a story, kind of, not a story, a, story. a little, a little fun anecdote behind this before we go. Fun a little fun anecdote. Yeah. So, uh, Claire and I actually recently took a trip together mm. and to the international the, airport. Yes. Yes. Where, <laughs> in which I unfortunately left about. <laughs> 11 hours earlier than Claire did. So and I was they, not paying for a second lift to the airport. Absolutely not. So shared the lift. Claire was stuck there, uh, binge inventing in it. Anyway, during that trip, we found this really great bookstore and recommended books for each other. And so we did a little swap and read each other's books on that trip and finished within the span of like three days. <laughs> this is where my before you go comes from mm. and we'll see where your before we go comes from I don't know it's it's gonna I, be a fun uh, little surprise. it seems it, I did the same thing <laughs> and so the one that Claire recommended to me so credit completely goes to Claire in taste on this one it's my favorite uh, book it's so good it's called bunny by Mona Awad is that how you pronounce I think so her name um and it's a psychedelic type like mystery almost thriller ish yeah kind of thrillery thrillery horror type novel um just completely off the wall it's not like completely completely off the wall but like like pretty off the wall it's like dark academia meets like fantasy horror yeah meets like I don't even know. Surrealism. Right. All this kind of mysticism kind of question mark. Trippiness. Yeah. Cold flavors sprinkled in Mm. there. Um, It does a lot, this book. It's a lot. But the the setting, the general arch, the general setting is definitely dark academia, um, I would say. And so it's about this character named Sam and she starts out as just kind of this loner at a um college of the arts and it's supposed to be a very very like high level prestigious um and has a very like high level prestigious program 
for different kinds of writing. So for poetry, for um, like fiction writing, for all of these different kinds of things. And so the one that our main character, Sam, is in is a fictional writing program. And the only other members of her cohort in her program are these girls who she lovingly, not so lovingly, very judgmentally calls the bunnies. Mm. And the bunnies are all like super, super, like really tight knit friends with each other. You can think of them as kind of like sorority clicky. Um, and like something off is about them. Like they all, when they see each other, they call each other bunny. They're like, Oh, hi bunny. How are you bunny? Oh my gosh, bunny. I missed you so much. And they like hug each other really, really tight. And Sam has these like nicknames for each of them. So one's named cupcake and she describes them very like vividly. (laughs) So she was like, uh, for cupcake in particular, this is one of Claire and I's like favorite lines (laughs) in the entire book. Um, she narrates saying the first time I saw cupcake, I quite literally wanted to dig a fork into her shoulder and eat her because she just like, she just looked delicious. If that's like the most homoerotic thing that has ever been written (laughs) in the history of literature, I don't know what is. I don't know what is. And so it's, and it's, so it goes through there's a bunch, I'm not going to spoil it. There's a bunch of different characters that you see. Um, and it goes through the story of Sam interacting with her program, with certain friends of hers. And the kind of inciting event is they invite Sam to the smut salon. And Sam's really hesitant if she wants to go. She talks with her closest friend about it, like whether or not she should go. Her friend's kind of like, maybe not. Like, you know, you don't really like the bunnies being kind of shady about it, but she ends up going and she ends up getting sucked into the world of the bunnies after this first smut salon. Um, So I'm not going to explain what the smut salon is, but events ensue and it just spirals from there. So it starts with a very, very, like very kind of normal. You can tell something's going on. It's kind of dark academia, but really you just get started with this very judgmental main character. And you think that she's just over, over analyzing. She's obviously like a literary writer. So you think that she's just being over dramatic about and like hyperbolic about how, the way that she's describing things. And the more you read the novel and the deeper she gets sucked into the world of the bunnies, the more you're like, I don't think she's just being hyperbolic here. I think there's something else going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and then after you finish the story, there's all of these questions about like what was actually being critiqued. Um, if the, you know, author was actually trying to critique certain parts of academia, which I think she was to a certain extent, but I don't think that was the purpose of the novel. Um, oh, interesting you don't think that the purpose of the novel or you think that the purpose of the novel was the critiques on, I I think it's one of the purposes. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, that's kind of what I was going towards. It's like, it's one of them, but it's not like the central focus. I think it's where I was getting towards. What do you think is the central focus? I think, I don't know. I always like to believe that novels are just like 
about the journey of like about the experience of reading it. So about the experience of seeing Sam's descent into the Mm -hmm. world of the bunnies um, and kind of how you felt parsing through that rather than, oh, they're trying to say something about it. Because to me, it kind of saying that it was a critique or saying there were themes of this sometimes comes across to me as a little like the curtains were blue because the person was sad or the author was sad. which I don't love to do, but that tends towards me, like very under analyzing media. I want to say a lot of the time, hmm. um, but yeah, that's, yeah. I don't know if that made any sense at all. That was no, it definitely makes sense. It's just, we just had very different approaches. Like I would yeah. say, especially for like literary books, like I'm not over analyzing like my, my trashy beach reads by any means. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think there's any deeper meaning than like, will the guy get the girl? Yeah. But like for this one, I definitely think for me, like the journey was great, but I, I, I took a lot away from it about like what I thought, like Mona Awad was like saying about like the culture of academia, about the relationships that women have with each other about like loneliness and depression and our interactions with society when we don't feel like we belong like I definitely I think I was looking for those things I think I do that a lot with like literary type books but again like I'm not I I, want to I want to assure our (laughs) listeners that I'm not the curtains are bluing this I swear Cause yeah, I think, no, cause I totally agree with you that like the, the commentary is there. And I think, yeah, I think I tend to, and like, you're not doing this at all, but like, I tend to very much veer away from like book reporting it mm. because, you know, I hated in like high school, college where you were forced to read just to analyze. So I tend to like very consciously not do that so I'm yeah, like yeah, yeah those are obviously it. there but I'm not like yeah that's not something that I typically focus on which is probably like maybe the intention of the author or not I don't I don't know that it has to be like I think yeah. I think books serve and like any media I think serve the purpose that you like want them to serve and so if you like want to think about critiques on academia yeah in like that specific setting like go for it if you want to just like enjoy this like incredibly trippy story that's like really fun and like an adventure and a time and a half like that works too like I don't I don't think I believe that like there's a right way to like consume media like I don't I I get sort of like it feels I get deep. what you're saying yeah. about like classics. Like I hate when people are like, you have to read the classics. They'll influence like every book you'll you'll read like from now on. And I'm like, I I feel like I can get like this enjoyment from a different book that wasn't written by like a dude in the 1500s, you know? Like yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think I think we were just looking for different things in the book, but I don't think one of us was right by any means. And like I think any of our listeners could read this book and take a completely different stance from either of us too yeah absolutely there's just like so much to pull from bunny that like there's so many experiences like whatever you want it to be essentially exactly there's so many different ways to read it to interpret it to experience it to talk about it even 
Um, yeah. And I think specifically like interpret it, like mm-hmm. we were like getting heated when we were talking about yeah. some of our interpretations about it. And like, this is one of those books that you'll be binging afterwards, <laughs> like Googling. Yeah. Yeah. You'll be binging afterwards. Yeah. You'll Google. <laughs> what what does bunny mean like meaning of bunny interpretations of bunny and just like scrolling endlessly through different people's interpretations of it seeing what you agree with what you don't agree with just because it's so interesting there's a great reddit thread that we can point you to oh yeah oh yeah we can link it i'll link it in the description please put out the fact that i I don't have time to say description claire i'm a very busy person (laughs) We're trying to make our podcast shorter. We're if you trying to make our remember. podcast. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that's Bunny. It's very, very trippy. It's very, it's not your standard, like, if you're really into, um, like, typical, I want to say, YA fiction. Uh, it's a very different style. Um, it's a lot more... Yeah, it's, it's very trippy. It's just an experience. You just have to read it and find out. Such a good book. Claire, do you have anything before we go? I do, in fact. Oh. I have the book that I read in like three days when we were <laughs> chilling on vacation. Nice. Um, so the book that Elise recommended to me is called The Night Circus. Which um, my mom actually recommended to me. Oh, oh Elise's mom, say you. <laughs> I don't know why I said that. <laughs> um, so the next circus is a 2011 fantasy novel by Erin Morgenstern. Wait, yeah, I'm saying that correctly. It was actually I discovered um, a NaNoWriMo book, which is National Novel Writing Month. Oh. Where you like write a book during the month of November. Yeah. Um, which is pretty cool, in my opinion. Very cool. So the story is non-linear, which I'm a big fan of. Um, and so you're introduced sort of at the same time. I think Knights, the Night Circus beats out the, the second thing just barely. So I have it first. So you're introduced to the namesake of the book, which is the Night Circus, um, which is a black and white circus venue that appears and disappears without warning and is only open at night. Something tricky is um, going on. Something tricky. Um... The performers of the night circus are the best of the best. Everyone who visits leaves absolutely delighted. Um, It just, the descriptions of the night circus are absolutely beautiful. Like the smells, the entertainment, the feeling that people get when they're there. Absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous description. I got lost in the descriptions. Then very quickly, after you're introduced to a magical competition with rules that remain unknown to both the audience, us as readers, and the participants, Celia and Marco. So they are chosen for competition separately um, as very young children. Um, They're told that they're going to be competing in a competition. They eventually sort of when they're grown, learn who their competitors are. Marco learns of Celia before she learns of him. And they know that this night circus is the venue of their competition, but they don't know anything else. So they don't know what the rules are. They don't know how they win. They don't know who's judging. They don't know any of that. And neither do we as readers. And it's very, very interesting (laughs) um, the way it's presented. Like it's clear that there's something going on, 
and we as readers are going to get to the bottom of it yes um so then finally you're introduced to bailey um and bailey is a young boy he's sort of in the future of what's happening with celia and marco but the night circus is is sort of like the, the thing holding both of these stories together um and so bailey doesn't know where he fits into the world but He's deciding between like staying and working on his family's farm or going to college at Harvard. Um, but eventually he finds the night circus and he makes some friends there who help him discover what he's been looking for, which is the answer to what's his destiny? What's to say? What's to say? So as the story progresses, these storylines get closer and closer together. So Celia and Marco's storyline goes forward. Bailey's storyline is also going forward, but at a much slower rate. And so they eventually like catch up. Um, and we start to see like how all of these characters are connected to each other, how they know each other. We learn more about the competition. Um, and something that I really like, I'm not gonna tell you like anything else, so. Yes. like suck it up read the book if you want to know about the competition read the um, book but something that i really like about the book is how it shifts tone very subtly to the point where you don't notice that it's happening until all of a sudden you're like very tense because it's like suddenly a very dark book mm. when originally it was this light-hearted thing about a circus and magic and fun and now people are getting hurt, things are falling apart, everyone's exhausted, no one knows what's going on or how we're gonna fix it. Um, but we know that like someone needs to survive, mm -hmm. right? And we don't know how that's gonna happen. Um, so like I said, it's a very something's going on here vibe. And you will not know until like the last 50 pages. Yep. Which and then you'll suddenly, crazy. you'll know, and you'll be like, oh, I don't in fact like that. <laughs> But yeah, it's a really great book. The ending is nothing like what you're going to expect at any point in time, but it's beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, I think the descriptions are so, so lovely. I think that's definitely the like standout for me is yeah. how wonderful of a writer she was. Um, it's definitely like yummy to read, if that makes sense. Yes, there's so much caramel apple description and I really wanted one. Mm -hmm. And like caramel drizzled on popcorn. Oh mm. my God. Just not sure you just thing. didn't really want, like was really craving caramel. When I were... was when I was reading it actually. <laughs> and kind but of now. The craving or was it the description? Who will know? Who's we'll never say? know. Who's to say? <laughs> but yeah, definitely give this a read along with Bunny while you're watching Inventing Anna. Just like oh, tag team it. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, listeners, we'll leave you. All right. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>